Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hey. Hello there. So it doesn't look like we have any special events for a while. <laughs> no. So, Fan Expo did cancel for this year. They're going to come back next year, hopefully. And uh, the CES, of course, we weren't able to get out to that. And everything on the horizon has gone virtual again. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. We're definitely going to be covering the robotics show one way or another here coming up in the next few weeks. Can yeah. we send robots? Can uh, we send robots? We might have to send yeah. avatars at this point, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, VR. <laughs> yeah, VR. There you go. I, I can attest to the fact oh, that, that does now, work. That would be a that would be cool. Everybody has VR headsets, and they would have all these drones that fly around the event that are all these different people. But why not just send avatar-enabled exoskeletons? Never mind. Anyway, what's in the news? Because we don't have those. <laughs> yeah. Undersea cable fault could cut off Tonga from rest of the world for weeks. This sounds pretty intense. Yeah. So if you haven't heard about it, there was a volcano. Yeah. yeah and a pretty intense one. Uh-huh. Um, caused tsunami warnings. Uh, they actually detected tsunamis. It was in the Pacific. And they detected tsunamis in the Atlantic and other major bodies of water all around the world. Really? So this was a big uh, the deal. Atlantic as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, wow. So this was, this was a pretty big deal. But most of our internet communication is done by undersea cable internationally as opposed to satellites. We might think that satellites are being used, and they are, but the majority is these underwater fiber optic cables. And when the volcano erupted, it cut the cable, and there was only one going into this area. So oh, geez. A result, we haven't been able to get a lot of direct information. The airports are also shut down and everything like that. There are satellite pictures where you used to see Tonga, it was all green and lush, and now it looks like a black and white photo. Yeah, yeah, it's been covered with ash and that kind of thing. We've got that information. But yeah, the direct information, and this isn't just Tonga, it's all over the world. We use these undersea cables. They've also been a target, concern of target by terrorism and other things. Because so much of the world's communication does go through this link as opposed to satellite or some kind of a wireless system. Streaming costs to increase. Yes, Yay. if you use Netflix, mm-hmm. open your checkbook again. Uh-huh. Most of the plans are going up by about a buck, maybe a little bit more. But uh, it is interesting to see this. And in the past, every time Netflix has raised their rates, there always seems to be this, well, uh, they're going to lose all their customers. And they don't. People just pay it. So, you know, why not charge what the market will bear, I guess. They do spend a lot of money on production. They're doing a lot of custom television shows and movies and that type of thing now, games and other things. So there is a lot more to the service that you'd get that you wouldn't have, you know, maybe 10 years ago. But it is definitely getting more expensive. Microsoft to buy Activision Blizzard. Yes, World of Warcraft fans, are we going to have a Bill Gates orc? <laughs> Probably. No, I don't see Bill Gates being an orc. I I, I kind of see him more as being like a halfling. Yeah, maybe a halfling. Yeah, you know, maybe some alliance piece. Of, anyway, so the uh, bottom line of it is is that. Uh, they, <laughs> well, gee, I wonder what what group you're aligned with. <laughs> so Activision Blizzard has been having a lot of problems uh, due to sexual harassment claims and other things that have just kind of taken the company into a free fall. Jeez. And uh, it's been kind of a bummer. I like World of Warcraft. It's been a good game. But your organization that puts out the game has to be right. And they just, it seems like, haven't been. At least mm-hmm. that's been the opinion of many people. 
for a while now. So Microsoft is buying them. We'll have to see what that does. And hopefully it cleans things up. Hopefully it'll bring the game back into the, you know, ability to where it was a few years ago. But uh, it is, it's been kind of sad to see that happening. So well, maybe this, Microsoft will give it a good shot in the arm. That's what Let's I'm thinking. Hope. Hopefully this yeah. is a step in the right direction. Amazon gives its Lord of the Rings series a redundant name. I'm sorry, I read your, your news article. Yes, you did. <laughs> that's okay. Hey, that can happen, you know. So uh, they're calling the series that's going to come out this September. This has been an on-again, off-again production. The Rings of Power. Uh, <laughs> okay. So your opinion's not coming through loud and clear on that. Yeah, well, I've I've heard bits and pieces and rumors and... You know, so far, that's all we've gotten. Yeah, but what I'm hearing is I'm not excited about it, so... Uh, let's go on to the next topic. <laughs> mm, yes. Now, before we move on here, the statement from them is the Rings of Power unites all the major stories of Middle-Earth's Second Age. The forging of the rings, the rise of the Dark Loafs, uh, Lord Saranon, yes, I can talk, the epic tale <laughs> of Numenor, am I saying that right? Yeah, no. Numenor. Numenor, yeah. thank you, and the last alliance of elves and men. All right, now we can uh, go on to the next topic. I was going to say, I hope they do a good job. Uh, new Intel chips won't play Blu-ray discs due to SGX deprecation. All right, so SGX, Software Guard Extension. Okay. <laughs> what this is is a process that was built into the CPUs to deal with security. Now, anybody that knows this is going to know that is a very, very broad explanation. Yeah, it's also slightly vague enough to just be, uh, oh, it's not going to work because, uh, you know, it's Tuesday. Yes, oh, and that's about what it kind of <laughs> comes down to. So <laughs> so what it is, is you have in media digital rights management, or DRM. Mm -hmm. And what this is, is a term that has to do with protecting media. So keeping movies from being copied, keeping music from being copied, and DRM has been one of those things that as soon as they come up with a version of it, it seems like it's hacked within a very short period. And it does give some legal protection to things because if you hack it, you're not supposed to do that. One of the reasons why we have things like MP3 players is because the original CDs did not have any kind of encryption. So hmm. as a result, there was no block on that and you were able to ultimately copy off the music. And you know, so moving ahead, we have digital distribution of movies and that type of thing just because the money is there to do it and people prefer that and having physical media has become somewhat old fashioned. But what's happening here is in 12th generation Intel Core 11,000 and 12,000 processors, they're removing this SGX, which is required to make the DRM, the digital rights management of Blu-ray work. So modern PCs will no longer be able to play Blu-ray discs as a result of that if they use these processors. Okay, I'm not happy with that. So a lot of people still like the old-fashioned idea of a disc and, you know, well, putting it in a mechanical reader and having yeah, it clunk and, and bang and, and crunch. It, it um, won't clunk and bang and crunch. It we, never did. And the thing is, is when something goes wrong, you know, sometimes it's nice just to have that um, Blu-ray and put it in the machine. And with no commercials, just watch a show. And when your Wi-Fi goes out, you can still watch something. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is true. I mean, discs mm. do work without connectivity. So Yeah. yeah I was, I was going to say, if you're on a plane or something, you could watch a movie. Of course, most modern computers don't have 
media drives anymore. But um, yeah, I, I was a, kind of upset at that in the first place. But you know, yeah, whatever. I don't know. There is an argument for both directions on this, and I tend to have moved in the direction more of online media just because it's easier to deal with. You don't have to store the discs for one thing. Yeah, but then you can't. The minute that online media is uh, that line is cut off. You can't have it. You've lost your stuff. It's yeah. gone. And and again, that's true. and you may have paid for it, and it's gone. Uh, I still hold my blue Blu-ray in my hand. Yeah, you'll still. But what happens to see? This is the other side of the thing. Is I have multiple televisions in the house. I only have one Blu-ray player, and that's in my PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to watch part of a movie downstairs in my home theater, and then go up to my bedroom and finish it, I couldn't do that. I see. I don't do that. I just just watch it. Oh, we watch movies in this room. I, we don't even have a TV in our bedroom. Right. But a lot of people do. And yeah. being yeah. able to move from one to another is important. Now, a lot of online streaming services also do offer the ability to download media. So you mm-hmm. could download it into a device and uh, be able to have it offline in that context, which I don't know if it would be affected by this Blu-ray limitation, but that is another way to do it. Anyway. This is an argument that we probably should have on an upcoming show. (laughs) What do you you like? Do you prefer having the physical media and putting it in the drive that clunks and bangs and crunches? Or or are you of Gretchen's opinion (laughs) 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 that it's kind of fun to smell the plastic that's eventually going to go into a landfill? Not that my opinion's coming through here. Anyway, so Mm -hmm. there you are. What else do we have? Why does 5G only pose a problem for U.S. airplanes? Yeah, so anybody that hasn't heard about this, they have delayed deployment of 5G technology around airports for a while for additional study. It's already used in Europe and a number of other parts of the world without a problem. So the question here is, why is this an issue in the United States? And there actually is an answer to this. And to just kind of touch upon the details of it, you're dealing with a situation where the frequencies we're using for 5G are slightly higher and slightly closer to the instrument frequencies that are used on planes. So that's what this is coming down to. I don't think it'll be a real long delay, but it is definitely something out there that probably should have been addressed before now. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got an interesting discussion topic. A lot of you have asked questions about these things, and we decided it was time to kind of focus on this and see what there actually is. And what I'm talking about is the idea of life imitating art in the realm of science fiction. Now, we've seen this in the past with smartphones, flip phones come from Star Trek. There's all kinds of different things like that. In the original Star Trek series, we had floppy disks something that wouldn't Mm -hmm. be in general production for another about 30 years. Mm -hmm. We have interesting things that played into this. Some of the tech that we've seen in older movies a lot were determined by what was going on in politics and stuff at the time. So we're dealing with situations where an outside influence might cause you to be able to present or not present something that you would have come up with. So there's been a lot going on with that. And here we are in 2022. And let's talk about some of the stuff that we're going to see or that exists in a prototype fashion, or is maybe even on the market in some ways, that you might not think is a real thing. First item on that list is cloaking technology. 
So this wow. idea of cloaking mm -hmm. technology or invisibility has been a highly coveted superpower in the realms of science fiction and fantasy. Aliens yes. from distant galaxies, powerful wizards, and humble hobbits have used the ability to be invisible in some form or another. <laughs> Something that you only see in the movies? Well, not so much anymore. Scientists have been working on this technology for a while, and it is actually a real thing. It's out there. They have material. The military's had it for about 15 years, from what I can see in one way or another. Is this like the stealth plane, or is it different? It's different. It's like the stealth human. <laughs> oh, it gets okay. a little bit creepy. There. So some of the items that are out there, there's an invisibility cloak that as you put it on is able to put the light around you. Now, there's a much better explanation of that that I can't go into in the time we have, but it looks almost demonic in a way. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that you cloak you showed us was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so. um, I, I'm, I'm thinking that would really make somebody's Halloween. So <laughs> check out the cloak. Take a look at our social media because we're going to be posting it with this week's show to show you kind of what's going on here. But basically where this comes from is in the early 2000s, a team of researchers from the University of Tokyo created an optical camouflage system that makes anyone wearing a unique reflective material seem to disappear. So that's where this comes from, and that's how long it's been around. A smaller, albeit fictional, version of the technology was used in Mission Impossible's Ghost Protocol. And it's starting hmm. to not be so fictional. And the interesting thing about this is not only does it make what it's surrounding seem to disappear. There is a little bit of a uh, kind of, I don't know, a, a wave to it, I guess would be the thing uh, that I would call it almost like the, what was it from Star Trek Deep Space Nine? They could shroud. And oh, yeah, the Jepidar. Jepidar. Yeah. It, it has that kind of a feeling to it in a way, but it not only blocks the visual ability to see the object behind it, but also the heat signature. That's so in fascinating. So in other words, if you wrap this around a human and go into a place that uses infrared technology for security or things like opening the door, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't be able to see you. If you wrap it around a vehicle, you wouldn't be able to see the vehicle on infrared at all. Wow. So these things do exist. It's out there. It's even available on a civilian level to some extent. Hmm. But definitely something that uh, is very unique and has good and maybe some not so good applications yeah i keep thinking harry potter and you know the, them wandering through the castle you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know it's just and the way that the technology looks so far is you can still tell that there's something there so something mm -hmm. would look not quite right would be the best way to put it but you certainly can't see what it is and uh it, it definitely is something that we're headed in that direction and the fact that you can't see it at all on infrared spectrum and all that kind of a thing is really very interesting for military applications, among other things. You really hmm. need to use the force to pick up on this person. Yep, you, you do, and it's, it's out there. <laughs> so taking this a step further in the field of robotics, we're starting to see a lot of that type of thing come to life. We've talked about 2022 being the year of the robotics. CES also presented it that way, and I think that we're definitely seeing that. Now, robotics as a science, of course, has been around for a very long time. We've had it going back to the 50s and 60s and even before that, but more in the civilian era from that generation forward. In our house today, you might have a robotic vacuum. A lot of restaurants are using robotic chefs. These type of things exist. My brother and his family went down to Disneyland and went to a sushi shop over the holidays where all the delivery of the sushis were done by robots. That is so cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah these, no, these things definitely exist. 
But when you take it a step further into science fiction and start getting into some of the things that we see out there, like Iron Man and whatnot, mm-hmm. yeah. we're starting to see these things come on the market. One thing is an exoskeleton. And yeah. these type of technologies are very much in proof of concept format, some in retail. From a civilian standpoint, a lot of different things application-wise come from it. The medical industry being one for someone that may not be able to walk or have some kind of a disability to like that, it can enhance their ability to be able to get around that and function in a more normal way. So quality of life, that type of a thing. Other stuff in commercial production, industrial production, for being able to assist with things like loading trucks or moving Mm -hmm. around a warehouse, heavy objects, that type of a thing. And these kind of technologies are not on the drawing board. They are out there. If you do a quick search on the internet, you'll find some of them. Yeah, like watching the Boston Dynamics dogs or robots. Yeah, the the the, the human shaped robots and the dogs and the, they're doing their dances and jumping around the and room, backflips, yeah, and all kinds of crazy things. Very very um, natural motion. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's it's definitely incredible to see how lifelike these systems can be. And when you apply AI and some of these other technologies, it is very lifelike. Hmm. You know, so going down the road with this type of thing, are we going to have a droid in our home eventually? Well, Amazon thinks so. In fact, they're selling one. You can pre-register for them. It's a thousand bucks. It's Alexa droid. And she'll follow you around the house and do a number of different things. And when I first saw the application of that technology, I'm thinking, what would this really do? And some of the ideas that are being thought of, and not always by Amazon, are actually quite incredible. The- so, I, now, does, can she go up the stairs? We talked about this before. Yeah, she does not have the ability to go up the stairs yet. And that type of a thing is something that I think we're going to see. The other technology they're coming out with is a security drone that flies around your house and has the ability to see different things and you can put it around, but it also does not go up the stairs yet either. So stairs seems to be a little bit of a problematic point for this type of technology, but I don't think it's going to be very long in that kind of a situation. Eventually, you'll either, you know, have a way that she can climb the stairs in a robot body or just simply have another droid that helps her up. I mean, who knows where that's going to go. Yeah, so I could have a Sith probe droid floating around my house following me around. If you have a Sith probe droid following you around your house, I'm not coming over for coffee. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it'd be cool, but, you know, I don't these know. These are just the beginnings of this. We're almost out of time, but the other technology that we see in a lot of sci-fi is jetpacks. Yeah. And this type of technology is out there. In fact, you can learn how to do it as a civilian. There's a company in Los Angeles that actually offers training for this stuff. It's expensive. But it is actually out mm. there, jetpackaviation.com. I'll give them a plug on that. But it's kind of fun to be able to see where that's going. I think we're going to see this coming down the road, too. And there's so many more, but we're out of time. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is our first Q&A of the season. This is the section where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you answers. First question that's asked is, how do we send you our questions? Well, I'm glad you asked. Say that three times fast. 503-766-6264 is the phone number. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. 
or our website, userfriendlynation.com. What questions do we have this week? What is end-to-end encryption for phone calls? So this is something that is being asked more lately. And this relates to applications like WhatsApp. And there's a number of them out there. That's the Facebook or now Meta one that allow you supposedly to make phone calls, send texts, and do those type of things without being able to be eavesdropped on. So I took some time to test this out a little bit and see where it works and how it does and all of those different type of things. We're going to actually be digging into that in future weeks. But just to kind of get an answer to what the technology is, is basically you and the person you're talking to would both have the app installed to do this. And in the point of transmission over the internet, nobody can break into it, even the people that wrote the app. So when I'm talking to you or you're talking to me, that information is secure and private. And most of these applications take it a step further to do things like text messages. Some do file transfers, video calls, and all the rest of it. And from what I can tell, it actually does more or less live up to its word. So join us in future weeks when we dig into that as far as the specifics. But that's what this kind of technology is. Hmm. Does Netflix really have games? Yes, they do. (laughs) And uh, this is a question that's been really coming up a lot, which is why we included it this week. Netflix is trying to branch out and offer more than just movies and television shows to compete. Disney Plus and some of these other things out there are giving them a little bit of a run for their money, at least so they say, although they still have the most subscribers and make the most money. But that being said, they want to offer more than just being able to go on and watch a movie or television show. And one of the first games they have up is a trading card game that seems to be gaining popularity. But yes, there are games available through Netflix. It's something that you can do with your subscription. And the ability to play them is another interesting thing. And I'll let you jump on and see how that works. They've kind of come up with a cool interface. Hmm. Does Tesla AutoDrive work? Yeah, again, along the questions of is it real or is it not, Tesla Hmm. has had Autopilot now for a number of years. It's part of their cars. We've talked about some of the controversy that they like to turn it off if you sell your car used and then the next car buyer has to pay for it again, that type of thing. But it is not 100% auto drive as the autopilot as the name may say. You still have to be in the driver's seat. You have to communicate with the computer that you're keeping your eyes on the road, that type of thing. And there have been some problems, although on a one-for-one basis, it seems to be as safe, if not a little bit safer than the human driving as far as accidents and that type of thing go. But when there is an accident, it generally creates a lot of controversy because they're usually a little bit more major and it does strange things sometimes. But as far as the future hmm. goes, and as far as being able to call a true auto drive, no, but it is pretty close. Is it safe to go to a convention like a Comic-Con? Interesting question. A lot of stuff has been canceled. Again, we were talking about that earlier in the show. And, you know, the, the bottom line of it is, is we went up to Emerald City, which is the Seattle Comic-Con in December. We did okay. They put a lot of effort and time into making sure that people were safe. Things like checking vaccinations, checking temperatures, distancing, sort of. I'm not sure, you know, but... They also, within the city itself, did a lot of that. Yeah, it it was interesting because, yeah, that's actually another good point to it. You could walk around Seattle and it was the vibrant Seattle, I remember. I didn't know what to expect. It's been two years and a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. But uh, they required a vaccination card to even go in and dine in in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right. And whether you're for or against those type of steps, it did seem to create a situation where 
a lot of people were able to turn out and there weren't a lot of problems. I haven't heard of anything major happening. We didn't get sick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I think I would be willing to go again, maybe letting Omicron drop just a touch before we do, but we'll be back at events this year. Did Tesla delay Cybertruck again? Yes, till 2023 this time. <laughs> and they initially did it by just deleting all references to the 2022 release from their website. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, did they touch up all the all the broken window photos too? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure they probably had to. No, at the end of the day, what's going on here is actually supply chain issues, and mm. I do think this decision makes some sense. And to instead of not being able to do it completely properly. We'll go ahead and wait another year, and Tesla delays stuff a lot anyway, and we'll go ahead and shoot for 2023. So we'll see if that date actually comes into fruition or not, but that is what they are looking at doing right now. So we'll see. Maybe someday we'll be able to get a look at a Cybertruck. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We are going to be diving into our hobbies segment coming up here pretty soon. Looks like we're going to be talking about quilting and embroidery as one of our first segments. But before we jump into that in a couple of weeks, Gretchen, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about your own hobbies and kind of what you do and how you do it. And Jeremy, feel free to chime in on this. I will too. But this is a whole huge thing. A lot of people love their hobbies, and it's a big mm-hmm. time, especially with being locked down and coronavirus and all that, getting more involved in things you can do at home. What got you guys started? What do you like to do? Tell well, us a little bit about it. First of all, I have way too many hobbies. You know, I'm the jack of all trades and master of none. Um, so, But I, I still like doing them, and um, a lot of it is about just um, – kind of being inspired and just kind of the learning process. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy has a lot of hobbies as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They just don't have anywhere to like, you know, display any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've um, started off as a kid. I did um, painting, drawing, and I even did sewing. My mom did um, sewing and painting. So we get these things from our parents. Um. Then I just went on and did other things, uh, the costuming, mm-hmm. which is an extension of the sewing and um, the painting. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when we do the stuff like we make costumes, you got to make all the props. And I do that, uh, you know, with 3D printed parts or actually constructed parts from other things. Um, you know, we have our wizard costumes. We have staves that I built with all kinds of intricate things and lights and all that. That always makes it fun. Yeah. Uh, the D&D stuff, the costumes we're working on for that, they're, um, I'm building gauntlets for my, my thief, and the gauntlets are going to have lights in them. Um, so that's going to be kind of neat, and that's building building that out of foam and leather and, and 3D-printed gemstones that light up. So it's going to be neat. Yeah, and then like things like leather, that, mm. that requires a different uh, mindset. Uh, it's a different skill than just sewing with fabric. Yeah. And then there's things like cross stitch and embroidery, um, knitting and crocheting. Uh, mm-hmm. Just recently, I decided that um, I wanted to learn how to crochet. 
I I felt like I was kind of in a dull space in um, just my day-to-day life because I'm waiting for certain projects to happen. And I thought, well, why don't I learn something new to keep my spirits up? And it keeps your brain active. So I started um, looking at things on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people out there who have wonderful hobbies, wonderful skills, and they're willing to share these ideas with you. Mm-hmm. And so I've started to teach myself how to crochet. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool. I have a sw- I have what? How many scarves do I have now? I have way too many <laughs> so, now. You I'm know, and that brings up a question that I'd like to ask because <laughs> you're creating all of these things. What do you do with them? Do you sell them? Do you put them on the wall? Do you? Well, yeah, that that does bring up a problem. Um, I've I've started giving away um, the things that I make, and I am wondering at some point um, my friends and family are going to be going. Yeah, I have enough of these. (laughs) (laughs) We already made me four scarves. I don't really need another one. Yeah, I don't have four necks. You know. So the the point is, is at some point, um. Does one step to a different level? Now, we do have a friend who I am hoping that she will um, venture forth and, and talk with us. But she does, um, what do you, would you call these things? Uh, it's like a, a, a like hand lotion. Hand lotions and, and, um, balm and the uh, lip, lip balm and stuff like that. And, and uh, what was it? The, the thing that you put in your bath? Bath bombs. Bath bombs. Okay. And so obviously this started as a hobby for her somehow. And then she got so good at it. She, she's turning it into a business. Yeah, so she there has are really nice products there. too. I, I've got some of her stuff and it's just amazing. Oh, it's better than it what you good. buy in the store in a lot of cases too. Plus I see one of the other things about making stuff like that from a you know smaller standpoint is you can look at things like keeping it clean. She has processes that she's come up with to keep mold stuff like that out of it. But the bottom line of it is, is a lot of this stuff ends up there. Now, from a geekier standpoint, I know that was the case for me. I'm a programmer. I'm getting into robotics now and these type of things. And all of that came from hobbies. When I was growing up, I ran a bulletin board before the internet. I'm dating myself a little bit there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that type of a thing. And then when things like Raspberry Pi came out and you could start building stuff with it, I worked on all of that kind of thing to kind of see what it could do. And have been able to make a career path out of it. And I think a lot of people probably do go that direction and others just do it for the, for the fun of it. I know hobbies can also get expensive. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. guys find yourself spending a lot of money on the stuff that you do? Oh yeah. Like when we did the costuming. Oh yeah. That gets really expensive. Fabric's expensive. Leather's expensive. Yeah. Um, um the <laughs> trims, uh, the, the little details that make things better. And speaking of turning things into businesses, uh, several times I was asked, will you make me a costume? And every time I balked at it, because the minute I was in a contract with somebody to make their costume, it took away the fun of, of the creation of the costume. So what I often did was I had, I taught the person how to make their own costume. I worked with them and showed them how to do it. And that worked better for me. I, uh, for me, turning it into a business took away the joy. But other people, like yourself, you know, you you seem to have you know hit the road running. Yeah, no, it's certainly what went up to it. The listener question that came in from the last time we talked about this is: this individual makes costumes and they do high end stuff with lights and various different things, foam and whatnot, and they're having trouble getting the materials because of the supply chain issues. 
Yeah. The question is, have you experienced this, and what are you doing to try to work around stuff if you've had this problem when you can't get a required part? Uh, I've ended up going through um, four different sources because it was like, you know, I couldn't get it at, at the first store, so I looked at how many other stores actually sold it. Uh, then I looked at online, um, you know, whether or not I could get it through um, Amazon or any of the other places like that. And then I actually looked at the manufacturer's website. And then I tried to figure out whether or not I could, I could buy it directly from the manufacturer. So those are, those are the, that's the path. That's the chain of, of where, to, where do I find that? <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to be finding out about all of these details in upcoming segments. So stay tuned. If there's a hobby you'd like to talk about or hear about, let us know. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Enjoyed doing the show this week, although I'm looking forward to having some events to cover again pretty soon. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll come out of this last thing. They're saying that this is possible, that this whole Omicron thing might be where we convert from a pandemic to an endemic. So let's keep our fingers crossed that all of this will actually have that kind of a conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice. Get back to a little bit more of normal life. But in the process... We have been looking at a lot of things that have been streaming and talking about them. We haven't been able to do a lot of movie reviews because, again, everything's moved online. But some of that has been very positive. And in line with that, Netflix has released season two of The Witcher. Yeah, and we talked about this, um, I don't know, last time or the time before, that we were started over with um, season Season one one and about the chronological thing. We just finished watching uh, season two, yeah. and it was awesome. It well, was. We talked about it the first uh, episode of the season this year, and we've had a lot of listeners write in wanting to know what you thought of it. Oh, so tell us what you thought of it. It was good. It yeah. really was. There's a there's a lot of uh, details that come from the first season that weave its way into the second season, and a lot of questions are answered. There's a really tremendous cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, costuming is still good. Acting is still good. Special effects are still good. Um, it's just, you know, you look at some of the characters and it's like, why isn't that guy dead yet? <laughs> you know, so. but there's a lot of, and there's a lot of intrigue that's being woven and, and you're, you're getting to the point where it's like, well, who's really the bad guy, you know? And it's like, well, are these people really bad guys? I mean, I don't like what they're doing there, but then again, maybe. It's complicated and a whole lot. By the time you get to the very end, you're going, oh, <laughs> right. it's really good. You, yeah, you got to watch it. No, it sounds and, it, it sounds like it was absolutely amazing. I don't want to give too much of it away yet because a lot of no. haven't seen it. But yeah. um, it was two years about mm-hmm. between when the first season and the second season came out, which is a long time. Uh-huh. I know initially they weren't sure if there was going to be a second season. When I first heard about this, there was going to be an apprentice and some different things. But from what I'm led to understand is they're going more a direction with the books, mm-hmm. which is usually a better way to handle it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm looking forward to actually watching it myself and seeing what they did. I know I liked and enjoyed the Witcher video game on the PlayStation. It was on other formats, too, but that's where I have it. And it was a lot of fun to do. And there was actually, I don't know if it's still operating with the coronavirus right now, 
but there's actually a witcher camp in Europe where you can go out and they dress you up in the wardrobe and you can do the spell casting and throw fire and all the different things like that. And it's actually, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, where you, you go out. I, we'll have to see if maybe we can get them on to talk about it. I'll see if it's still in operation and if they'd want to do an interview. But it looked like something that was really cool and it was going really well for a while. So anyway, this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirdtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.